0: In this episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, I speak with Professor Mark Walters about travel advice, breaking into academia, marketing versus advertising, and we talk side hustles. Mark Walters is a teaching associate professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. He specializes in all things marketing. When you hear the term professor, you often think PhD and someone who conducts research more than teaching. This is not the case with Mark Walters. His passion for teaching is what he leads with daily. Mark has also found a way to monetize and combine his two life passions for teaching and travel with his brand, Walters World. Walters World is his travel brand that has over 800,000 subscribers on YouTube, 17,000 followers on Instagram, and over 49,000 followers on Facebook. Probably more by the time we post. So, we get some great travel advice in this episode and some fundamental marketing reminders we as advertisers should not forget. I always appreciated his class when I took it back at University of Illinois. Mark has a separate YouTube channel though, which might be of interest to you, which is called Professor Walters, with an O, with over 15,000 subscribers that has years of marketing lectures on it for free to watch. I recommend you check those out. And we'll link to all of these channels and recommended resources on our Instagram at breaking and entering pod on Instagram at breaking and entering pod, all one word. So he has really engaging content and he made learning a pleasure uh, and still does today for all of his lucky students. So I'm excited for you to learn from him, too. And as usual, this episode is supported by the Chicago Portfolio School. They're a one-year portfolio school option, really designed for anybody interested in copywriting, art direction, strategy, and now sports marketing. They've helped hundreds, maybe thousands, of people break into advertising at agencies and brands, so go check them out at chicagoportfolioschool.com. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual... I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Mark Walters, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Thank you so, so much for coming on tonight. I know you thanks, had a lot of
1: pre- Hey, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. It's always good to see your beautiful face again. Or yeah. right. hear your dulcet tones again.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you again. I mean, I can't speak so I can't speak highly enough of your class back in college at the university of Illinois marketing professor and a damn good one at that. Uh, (laughs) is it true that Culver's came into your classroom and like catered or like gave treats out? Is that, is that true?
1: It actually was. So the funny thing was, is I didn't know this was going to happen. So I talk about Culver's a lot. I'm a big fan. All my students joke about it because I talk about it all the time. But they always thank me later that I introduced them. And um, one day I was teaching an 8 a.m. class in Fulinger, this huge auditorium. And I like glance off the side of the stage because I saw something moving. And I'm like, there's a dude dressed up like Scoopy, the the <laughs> Culver's mascot. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then I see... Um, And then I see uh, this lady that's over there. I'm like, wait, that's the vice president of marketing of Culver's. What's going on? And then my buddy who works for the marketing communication, DUI, UI, he, they come in, they came on stage and like surprised me. And so we chatted and, and the the VP of marketing is actually a U of I alum and her brother is one of my best friends. And uh, and, and the funny thing was, I'm like, oh my God, like, Julie, what are you doing here? This is crazy. Welcome, welcome. So they came and they brought like gift certificates for the students, t-shirts. You know, they had like the, the stuffed animals they were giving out. So it was a really cool surprise. But the funny thing was, I'd actually saw her brother in London like two weeks before. And I was like, doesn't your sister work at Culver's? Isn't she kind of high up there? He's like, oh, yeah, I, I think she works there. I'm like, it's your sister. And I know how close you are. Yeah. So he knew the whole time what was going to happen. So he totally hid it from me. He's like, oh, I don't know. I guess she works there, baby. I don't know. Nope. What a pleasant so, surprise. it totally cracked me up so i still i'll still drive through um one of the culvers i'll see vance and the, and they'll he's one of the generators that dressed up and he, we always say hi and stuff so so we have some goodwill between culvers and myself over the years
0: it. well good that's a good plug and you plugged them a lot i remember in in class so it all comes around full circle power of marketing word of mouth that's right um, we have a lot to talk about this episode and this is uh this I want to be transparent. I, I remember reaching out to you mainly because I was interested in your in your career path career path. Uh, yeah. Something that I look forward to is talking to any educator. My father was an educator, not in the college atmosphere, but um, it's a path that I'm exploring down the line. So that's why I was reaching out to you. And then it just made sense to have you on the podcast as a marketing professor, your own brand, which we'll talk about, I'm sure Walter's world is incredible. Travel brand, describe that brand to me real quick. What is the Walters World brand? Travel, education? So what Wolters World
1: is, it's, it's honest travel advice. Uh, I, I got tired of all the blogs and, and YouTube videos where everyone made everything sound fantastic. I'm like, look, you need honest travel advice. You need to know that, hey, if you go to Portugal, you gotta pay for the bread on the table. If You're gonna go to Italy, watch out for the crazy traffic. I mean, people never talked about, not necessarily the bad side, but the little things that would could ruin it for some people, like, look, if you know, it's not something bad. It's a nice surprise. It's something you're prepared for. And I just got so tired of seeing all these guides and all this stuff where they made the cruddiest town sound fantastic because they got like, you know, 20 bucks to say something nice mm. or they got like a free dinner. And I'm like, that's not right, you know, because there's there's so little vacation time we have in our lives. I just don't feel right that people would waste it. So. We really focus on giving people honest travel advice, like what you'd really want to know before you go. You know, we're not doing backflips off of board, like you know, off of cliffs and we're not doing the, you know, put the hand in front of the camera and voila, we're in a new place. No, yeah. it's like, look, you're gonna travel, you wanna know what you need to know, you don't want to waste time. I'm gonna give you the honest yeah. good stuff. And so everything we've done, like in you you were in my classes, I never lie to my students. I always tell them like it is, and I do that with travel, so then people can be better prepared because I want everyone to explore the world. And if we can get them better prepared to explore, they're more willing to explore.
0: Love
1: explore. It. So that's what we're going for.
0: What are your thoughts on Anthony Bourdain?
1: Anthony Bourdain, it's funny because people will love Anthony Bourdain and they'll, they'll make fun of Guy Fieri. You oh. know, because his diner is driving to die. But here's the thing, both of them got a lot of people to go travel and explore. Hmm. But you have to realize exploring food is another kind of way of travel. And so they got people to go, whether it's exploring that bar in your in, in the town next to you that Guy Fieri goes to in diners, drives and diets or mm-hmm. it's Bourdain going to Lisbon and finding this Tashka and having this food there. It got people to go and explore. I thought it was fantastic mm-hmm. how it really inspired people to travel through food, whether yeah. it was domestically or internationally. Um, one thing that we've always done is... The thing is, like, once you like, if Bourdain would go to your restaurant or Fieri would go to your restaurant, you know, you'd have a big, huge uptick, right? You know, in traffic and people there, and and people always kind of get mad at us sometimes because we never say what restaurant to go to, we mm-hmm. say what food to eat. Because the thing is, if you only go to the restaurant that Bourdain eats and you ate at, only eat only what he eats, you only learn about that. There's a lot more food to learn
0: mm-hmm. about,
1: and a lot more about cultures to learn. So we try to give you more, like, okay. Yes, you're going to Lisbon. There's Toshkas, you can see, which are local mom and pop restaurants. And here's five dishes you should try when you're there. Whichever one appeals to you, go for it. Doesn't matter where you find it, it's going to be good. You know, and so that got people to explore more because we want to get people out of their comfort zones. We want people to go and explore more, not just I'm going to do the same vacation again and again and again. No, go and explore. And and, and it's awesome that Bourdain and, and guy and they, they got people out there and going and and talk about free advertising and super impact for these places. You, know, you don't realize is like companies, when they do like the diners, drive-ins, and dives, they're closed down for a day or two, maybe for filming. Mm-hmm. So you don't know like how much money are they losing. So some are worried about that. We like, look, the boost you get from just being on that show and be able to put up the sign like we mm-hmm. were on guys, Bourdain was here. It, the, the The financial value of that is significantly more than one day of sales.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the owners definitely recognize that with especially oh, yeah. those fans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially I, I remember long, like long ago, before these things got to be real, even if you were in like a just a local guide, but they're like, Oh, did you see we made it in the you know pit stops on Route 66? And I'm yeah. like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like people really enjoyed it. Now when you can like some places I've gone that were Bourdain places or Guy Fieri places. They'll actually have that episode like on repeat. Oh, really? Like, in the, yeah. in the or
0: Chicago's Best, I know, is a local show. Yeah. That, not as famous, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And I think it, the way you've built the brand Walter's World and be, been able to market it, it, it shows like you're a professor of practice. Yeah. You, and not many professors, you know, have a PhD like you do. And they have a working consulting business or a brand or they've worked in the field. So you have this high level and you've, you're very high achieving in Walter's world. Obviously it's done very well and you can go check that out. We'll link it all that, but it's very rare to see a professor with a PhD have find success in their side hustles or in, in, yeah. in business. So how did that all come to like fruition?
1: Well, one of the things is, is any job you have, whether it's advertising, marketing, academia, you gotta have a hobby cause you can't let your job be your end all be all everything. Cause then, it's too much so you got to have hobbies so my hobby's always been traveling and i love education so it's like well, i'm like educating people while i travel so it's like my two favorite things put together you know it's like chocolate mm-hmm. and peanut butter perfect yep. you know and uh so when i started doing it it was it just kind of really clicked and i'm thinking this is something i really like doing this is something i can help but it's something i can do that's getting me not thinking about the professor stuff right so it gave me another outlet and over time, well, professors, a lot. Of professors, I mean, their big job is they have to publish research, right? you know, and, and the thing is, that's the tenure track stuff. I am a professor of practice or I'm teaching associate teaching professor. Okay. So I focus more on teaching. So I don't have to publish as much so I can focus on teaching classes. So I'll teach two or three times more classes than a, a typical professor was because I just mm-hmm. teach more. I love it. And they and want to teach in the class. Yes, I love it. But mm-hmm. also I saw that. For me to help people learn marketing more, I want to help my students most. You know, Gina, I mean, you're my student. You know, I love my students. You know, I said it in class. It was probably weird when you heard it, but I meant it. Like, my students drive me to get me up in the morning, get me to work hard. And I had that, and I'm like, I want to help more people. And so then I started making, I had the travel videos already, and I started making marketing videos to help out because I saw that, you know, what, students, you know, sometimes they are hungover and don't make it to class, you know? And And sometimes you're sick. I mean, right now with COVID, I have students every week that are like, hey, I tested positive. I can't come to class for two weeks. Hey, I don't want you to miss this stuff. Here's videos out there. And so I started making the marketing videos as well on my Professor Walter's channel. And now I have professors all over the world that use our videos in their classes. They're like, hey, I can't talk today. So you watch this. I mean, I have one of my students, I think, I don't know if Ryan was back in your day, but one of my old students, he's doing his MBA at Rice. And he's like, Hmm. Mark. They're using your videos at rice i'm like well rice didn't tell me but that's cool yeah and so you it's like i get to help people out and though i'm not publishing in big journals when i do go to conferences i have professors that come up to me and they're like hey thank you your videos saved my butt because i couldn't i didn't know how to explain this right my students were not getting it. i put your video out there and they got it and i'm like hey that's I'm glad I can help great. out. So
0: yeah, and to reiterate, these are these are not your not just your travel videos. We're not talking about travel videos. We're talking yeah, about yeah. your lecture videos. Yeah, which was so great. I mean, this was and this was pre-COVID.
1: Yeah, so you I'm, were
0: already ahead of that virtual learning yeah. curve.
1: Yeah. So I because here's my thing. It's like like I, I started doing uh, business videos and lecture videos in two thousand nine two thousand no nine was when Walter's World started. So that would have been two thousand eight, 2007, 2008, I started you making started videos. with the lecture videos. Yeah, I started with those. Okay. And well, it was a mix of stuff, you know, but it was I, I started making videos because I was teaching in Portugal and not everyone was a native speaker. So I'm like, look, I want to make sure my students get the main stuff. I was teaching a strategy course. So I was making strategy videos like here's the ten topics that might show up on the essay exam. Here's my lecture on it. So I make the videos so students could listen. You know youtube lets you slow it down so in case your english wasn't very good you know mm-hmm. they get that they could learn that way and so i started with that and then over time i started making more and more and i remember i remember talking to one of my best friends at work uh, professor Nehemiah scott is a supply chain awesome guy and i remember like from probably 2018 i'm like dude you got to make videos dude you got to make videos 2009 dude you got to make videos then 2020 hits and like i have every almost everything is filmed for my class already and he's like, I should have listened to you. I'm like, I told you. Yeah. So then when COVID hit, I had all this material already ready. So I'm like, look, y'all, we're all going through a lot here with COVID. You know, yeah. like having a live lecture, you know, I mean, i had students that were telling me like there were professors that would use their phone and it would just like show up their nose and the slides because they didn't know what oh. they were doing. And the students were like, thank you. You actually had videos that were made for online education, not just someone standing in front of a whiteboard yeah. writing stuff. Excuse me, writing stuff down, but it's actually delivered in that way. And so I've really focused on online education. I mean, my thing is, is I'm not publishing in, in you know, Journal of Marketing, but I am. You know, we have almost 200 million views in all of our channels, and I'm like, that's 200 million things that people watch content that people took in from me that I could help educate them, and that's fantastic. So for me, that is impactful.
0: Absolutely. And and you've been recognized from the University of Illinois. You've been yeah. recognized by institutions.
1: Yeah, yeah. the so, University of Illinois, I was, I was blessed. I, I won the Student Senate Award for teaching from the students. I've won my department award. I won the uh, uh, College of Business Alumni Association Teaching Award. Last year, I was named as uh, Poets and Quants, one of the top 50 undergraduate business professors in the world. Nice. Um, so, yeah, and, I, and the thing is, is probably my favorite one is the one that students voted on. Because there's no politics in that. That's just students going dude's a great teacher. I'm like, thank you. Like, I, I, what else can yeah. you say? I mean, like, thank you. You know, I love it. I love stu- it. students don't mess around students. Like those forms they film at the end of the semester. They don't hold back good or bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are those called again?
1: The ISIS forms.
0: ISIS forms. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, what, but you're, you are proven, you know, you've been recognized and you've built a brand. So you're, but you've, you, you said you're a professor of practice now for my knowledge, we're breaking in academia here. Uh, can you drop the differences between an adjunct prof- a lecturer, lecturer, senior lecturer at university of Illinois? I know you could speak of. Yeah. Uh, and is it pretty universal all around? How does mm-hmm. that system work? So in, in the it, college
1: it breaks the, 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 into two main groups. The titles would be different, but you have what mm-hmm. are called tenure track positions. That is, you start as an assistant professor. And then after six years, something like that, you go for tenure and tenure is when they can't fire you. You know, and so if you get that, you become an associate professor, then you got to go for another, you know, four or five, six years. depends. It depends how long you've been doing this. And then you can go for full professor. But those are based on publications, service you've done for the university, teaching, all that. But mostly it's research based stuff. And then you have non-tenure track faculty. That could be your adjuncts who only teach one or two classes, or you have specialized faculty, which is what I am at the University of Illinois. They might be clinical professors, professors of practice research professors teaching professors there's different titles okay. but they still have the same thing assistant associate and full professor and then you have lecturers and lecturers are usually if you do not have like a phd um sometimes people are professors that don't have phds but in a lot of places if it's a lecturer it means they mm-hmm. probably don't have a phd um sure. but in other places just that's their title for non-tenure track so at one time i wasn't le- I, I was funny i was a visiting assistant professor for four years at U of I. And then I became a lecturer and then a senior lecturer because they didn't have the non-tenure titles. And then no. they came up with a teaching Then I was assistant teaching, associate teaching, mm-hmm. and hopefully soon full teaching professor. Gotcha. So it's, it's, it's a lot of words, but it's all basically, there's three tiers in each kind of field. Yeah.
0: That's out there. And
1: where are you at right now? Again? I'm at a teaching associate professor.
0: And what's your, is that where your end goal, or is there no, what's your, a full, what's your next goal?
1: like a full teaching professor? There's only one more step up. Um, I probably could go for it, but right now I'm focusing on some other things. I know it, the, I think the app you have to apply, and that takes a year for all to go through. So, mm-hmm. probably next year I'll be applying for it because depending on where you work, sometimes it's 10 years after your PhD is done, or 10 years of work. I mean, mm-hmm. it all depends. So, and also the U of I, this is a relatively new thing. So there's hasn't been like I was the first associate teaching professor in the in geese. And so, you know, I'll be in the, in the baton department and hopefully I'll be the first, you know, full teaching professor. But, you know, we got to we got to get it. We got to get it going. So,
0: yeah, one step at a time. And it seems like you'll you'll get there for sure. Interesting. If you can go back then, like, you know, did you know that you were going to be this high up in the college program teaching? Like what no, got no. you to I'll be where honest. you're at?
1: Well, I'll be when I was when I was applying, I was teaching in Portugal, doing my Ph.D. there. And I was applying for jobs all over the like in the U.S. And I saw this job at U of I. So I applied there because I'm a I'm actually an alumni of the University of Illinois. And, you know, you know, when you apply for colleges, you have your fallback schools. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to apply for like big schools. Like, let's go for Illinois. That's a big 10 school. It's a top mm-hmm. tier university. I'll try that. But then also I'll try, you know, because we're going to go back to the U.S. for a couple of years. It was. You know, it was when the 2008-9 the crisis was happening. Mm-hmm. so you're like, it hey, better to be back in the U.S. And and um, and I remember I applied to this like small school, like literally across the river from my parents live. I knew like my old boss was like their, you know, like treasurer of the, on the board of directors. So I'm like, oh, that'll be my my fallback. Like if I can't, I'm sure I'll get something there. They are the first people that bonged me. They're like, nope, mm-hmm. we have too high standards. I'm like, I don't think I'm that bad, you know? What, what were you applying for again? I was applying for just like a, a teaching position.
0: Oh, okay. So, a, so you a, always knew you wanted to get into so teaching. This
1: was, this was okay. Well, I knew I wanted to get into teaching after I taught in Lithuania for a few years. I went as a volunteer teacher for a year and then I ended up staying and teaching there for three and a half years. I'm like, I love this. Right. And I knew if I wanted to go farther, I had to do a PhD. So then I went and did my PhD after that. And so then after i phd when i was looking at okay. that full-time position that that's when i was the illinois thing came up but it was funny because this person like I, you know i got in interviews at other places and and it was like I'm like, hey, this is cool but the first one that bombed me was this small school that i was like right. oh this i'm for sure i'll be great because I, I got all this stuff
0: so what happened? Did you freak out? You're like, maybe this well, isn't. I was really like, work? I
1: was like, oh man, if they're not looking at me, right? That's kind of worrisome. And then Illinois right back, writes back, like, hey, we want to interview you, and okay. and then Clemson wrote me, and they're like, hey, we want to interview you, you Clemson. And I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get like big name schools. I'm like, oh, well, what the hell is with that with the other school? Which is great. I didn't, you know, it didn't work yeah, out.
0: Works but out. Yeah. Then
1: I, you know, I I interviewed at Illinois. And I, and I got in here and it's worked out great. I mean, I've had fantastic students and, you know, won all kinds of teaching awards. And, you know, it's been it's been nice to try to help the university improve. And it's been fun to all these changes. But, you know, it was like you're worried, like, where am I going to go? It's kind of like when you apply for colleges, like I was saying, mm. you're like, I don't know where I'm going to go. And you get bombed by one school. You're like, oh, man, I got bombed by them. Who else is going to bomb me? And then you right. get into like better schools. and you, You're like, what? How? What? it doesn't always make sense. But uh, it was it was a good fit, and then the original job was only for two years, and I'm now starting my eleventh year here. Wow! So it, it seemed to work out.
0: Yeah, no, it did. It that It absolutely did. So you had your PhD. Where'd you get your PhD
1: at? Uh, it was the Technical University of Lisbon, which is now part of the University of Lisbon in uh, in Lisbon, Portugal.
0: Nice. And then you got your master's. Where was that at?
1: I got my master's in Germany, and then I got my undergrad at U of I.
0: How long did that? How long did that education take then?
1: So four years at U of I, two and a half years in Germany, and then five years in Portugal.
0: It takes five years to get a PhD.
1: Well, it depends where you go. Like now in Europe, they've changed it, so some places you can do in three years. Uh, But like when I did, it was five. And like here, like if you look at U of I, most people are doing five or six years, six years to get their PhD. So. Okay that's wow. why you, you know people will look around what's the best deal to do like it's like i have students that want to do master's degrees you know if you do it in the us some are two years some are a year and a half you yeah. go to the uk it's one year you go to germany it's two years i mean it's all so what is well
0: i mean if you were gonna have to do it again like what's the what's the most efficient way to get your phd done in the united states
1: in the united states if you get into a program that's like a master's phd mix so your coursework and your masters is that like,
0: respected though like I, whenever sometimes when I see those, yeah, three
1: I wouldn't do it if I wanted to teach it. At yeah, what in Illinois?
0: What would you do? In the most efficient way?
1: Um, I would. Because
0: you need quality. You, you don't need want to just
1: no, yeah, it's got to be. You, go to the best school you can for your master's, and then try to get into a, your best PhD program you can get, because that will open a lot more doors in terms of the job prospects at the end. Because you know, having that PhD from Illinois is going to help you go to like a Louisville or someplace. And then you can move up again later. And you have all this, this kind of things, because it's, it's just like, anyway, you know, people want to go to a better school because usually better companies, higher paying companies are going to hire from that school versus other places. Yeah. And the Same thing. Like, oh, they, I mean, there's a reason why people want to go to Harvard and Princeton and stuff, because it does open doors for you. It does make you go, oh, hey, right. you're, you must be pretty smart if you went there. Oh, you went to Illinois. You must be pretty smart if you went there.
0: But getting a PhD or a terminal degree in, in, in your discipline, The really in marketing or advertising or communications is to go back and teach, right? You're not saying there's not a business sense. I I, I tell this to be you know a VP at a company. There's really no practical. I I would
1: tell people because students. I always invite students to come talk if they want to do grad school or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, getting a master's is great because it's going to help with your income boost. But a PhD is five years of not working at a full time job. You're working and you're making like your your financial income is not going to help out. The only, like if you're looking at a business PhD, I'm like, look, it's because you want to be a researcher or you want to be a professor. You know, if like if you want to be like if you want to be in biology or if you want to be like a scientist, then yes, PhD yeah. pays off because in the real world. But like in the working world, but whereas a PhD mm-hmm. in business doesn't pay off the same way in the business world. I mean, you can use it and, and be an advisor and stuff. And, and, and anyway, you do get paid more for consulting because you have the cr- credentials to do it. But I right. tell people like, look, you I may mean, get the master's, but the PhD is if you want to teach or you want to be a professor, then it's worth it. But otherwise, financially speaking, longer term, you might be better off spending those five years like raking up the cash when you ain't got no kids.
0: Right. Well,
1: what did you do for
0: those five years? I mean, how do you support yourself or how are you making money? I mean,
1: so, so I was uh, I was a T, a TA. I, I taught classes. So I was doing my PhD at one school and I was teaching at another school and I lived in Portugal, so it was like, you know, it was pretty cheap to live there. So you didn't have to make a lot to have a really nice life. So it's smarter. That.
0: And you got you got to travel, do what you love? But you were teaching at another university?
1: Yeah, hmm. when I, well, because the place I did my Ph.D. was one university and then I taught at another university. And then my last year, they actually taught at the university. I did my Ph.D. at and the other university, because that's when the financial crisis was really hitting Portugal. So it was one of those, we're not going to cut your salary. You're just going to need to work twice as much. Wow. So I needed to do some more.
0: Wow. At what point do you say, I'm going to have to commit? And you know, you, you realize like, okay, I need to get a PhD. And I need to like go on this journey for sure. I need, to, I need to do all this.
1: So for me, I remember it was probably like my end of my third year in Lithuania. It was like, all right, you've been teaching, you really like this, like you need to start thinking about some serious stuff. And it was already too late for like PhD cycles for that year. So it was like, okay, we we need to take this more seriously. So like, it was kind of like the end, like the fall semester of 2005 um, is when I really started thinking about it. I'm like, look, I like doing this, but I know if I want to do this for my life and I want to make it a career, not just living day by day, but like make something out of it. I need to put the effort in and get the PhD, and so then I started looking for programs. So I applied in that spring of 2006, and I got into the program in Lisbon, where I went, and it was a fantastic thing. I mean, like, I mean, it worked out great, um, but yeah, there was it was it was an interesting, it was a really interesting experience, but yeah, if you're not gonna be a professor, then I don't recommend you know, see that PhD
0: in business. Yeah. Well, then how do you avoid like the research side of all of this? Like, cause so I, I
1: was doing, re- I was doing, I mean, I still have to put out some stuff. Like they're like, you know, so right, right now my, my research for me is I'm always doing research on social media. Cause that's a big thing I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, I really love helping teaching. So I've actually gone to other universities and taught their students and their professors how to teach better. You know, so that's my kind of area. And for me, I'm like, look, I'm paid to teach. That's why I'm a teaching professor. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is it's, it's not necessarily that I have to do like journal of marketing research or, you know, um, articles. I mean, I can, sure. but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of commitment. And I'm when you're teaching, you know, I have, what, this year I'll have, what? Uh, so you have 500 some odd students Mm -hmm. this semester and I'll have a thousand and something next semester. So when you got 1600 students, you know, there's only so much time in the day.
0: Right. right. So
1: they're like, if it's other contributions that are out there, I'm like, yeah, I am having an impact. I am educating thousands of people outside or millions of people outside Mm -hmm. of the U of I as well with our social media and all our videos and helping out. So, so there's other things you can do. Mm. Do
0: you have to worry about like brand guidelines when when you speak about University of Illinois or or are you careful of that?
1: I try. Well, the thing is, is we've had, we've, we've actually had people show up at our house before. So I really try not to talk about where I work. I'll say I'm a university professor and people can find out. It's not hard to you put, you know, Mark Walters and professor and I'll be, I'll be number one on you on Google. But we try not to talk about it so much just because there's been some um, people that have not been so nice.
0: Wow. that. Yeah, what do you mean? It's, it's weird
1: when there's a guy outside the house. You're like, uh, what's that wow. person doing? But your content is so wholesome, I feel like. Dude, there's there's crazy people out there. Mm. There's, there are crazy people out there. But uh, yeah. That's just I, the life my, my, That's, my that's the content life.
0: Create content, and, you know, sometimes it, that's the trade off.
1: Yep. And, and well, the thing is, though, I know, I mean, nothing bad happened out of it. There's been a mm. few things that were a little. Like back when we first started, we used to get death threats and they're like, YouTube's done much better with their kind of like filters and stuff. So like the threats have gone down, like people threatening my wife and my kids and stuff. And I'm like, because I said there's dog poop on the streets in Paris. I'm like, that's not bad. And I remember there was a time when I was doing Germany content and I was like, literally I'd be filming and I'm like looking around because it was getting kind of bad. And I'm like, but I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling the people the truth. And helping people travel better so they can enjoy your country more like I don't I don't understand why you're so upset but you know people will see that there will be people like there is nothing wrong with champagne there is nothing wrong with Chicago there's nothing wrong with LA there's something wrong in every city that's normal because right. yeah. what do you do like
0: the five don'ts or what? Do you, what's yeah. the what's the segment
1: <laughs> so we have five love and hates that was our first big uh kind of like viral thing where you talk about five great you know things you love about a place and five things you hate it's more um, like five things you love and five things that are like mild annoyances lots of right. times because you know but no one clicks on that so you got to say five love hates hey, because the internet and then from there we started talking about 10 shocks when you go to places but it was like fun culture shocks you're like oh i didn't know about that so it's like an entertainment one and then i wanted to get a little bit more serious and we started doing the, the don'ts of travel which actually should be like the do's and don'ts of travel but it sounds better saying don't so you actually right. like don't forget when you're at the Louvre, it's closed on Tuesdays, you know, and Ooh. or don't go to the Louvre on Tuesdays because it's closed that day. So it's like changing, like people will come in and they'll comment and they'll be like, you know, I was coming in expecting to hate this video because it's like what you don't do when you go someplace, but actually yeah. you're very wholesome and you're actually doing the do's and really smart don'ts. That's really good. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to help out.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: We were Ted Lasso before Ted Lasso.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's great content and it's you you've you've done a lot of the lists like the fives you you, I see you use the numerals and lists and I think that works um is that something you've always done and found success with
1: that was the one that really I realized that's what we should do is when the five love and hates the first one we did was like a Portugal one then we had a Germany one that I mean in today's world you wouldn't say it was really viral but for a small channel it's like whoa that got like a few thousand views yeah that's that's resonating with an audience so we started doing that more because I would have, because I remember when I first started, I made like language videos and top 10 site videos. Nobody watched those. Okay. I'm like, oh, I thought people would want to know like what's how to speak the language before they go. No, nobody does. You know, no, no. Mm-hmm. We had like one language video that ever did anything, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but then it was like, oh, it's, so it's actually people want to know the different stuff. They don't want to know the sites because they can watch that anywhere. They mm-hmm. need something different, they want culture. And I'm like, well, hell. I live 12 years abroad and I spend six months a year traveling. So why don't we use that knowledge to actually help people? And and you know, and I love all the new bloggers that are out there and vloggers that are out there, but you know, part of our, our appeal is look, I'm I'm not a, I'm not 20, I'm in my 40s, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this since I was in my teens. So right. I've seen travel, I've gone to these places so I can bring my experience in there, tell mm-hmm. people that are experienced travelers or new travelers to show them, hey, if you're gonna be going places, mm-hmm. maybe this one might be better than this one. You know, yeah.
0: so. so you have the credibility and yeah. you know what you're doing. And that, that kind of reminded me of the conversation we were having before we started recording is, uh, and I want to get into this now, cause you are a marketing expert and this is predominantly an advertising podcast is some of the difference between the two and you had a quarrel or you had some sort <laughs> of complaint about, uh, the advertising industry. And I, I remember to this day, I remember when you said it in class and It just was so profound to me, your take on advertising and what it should and shouldn't be. I'll let you say it, but it just changed my whole perspective because that's all I was studying. Creativity, that's all we talked about. But lay it out, give us
1: a dose of reality. Hey, my advertising friends, if you want the marketing department to hate you, be super creative and don't sell anything. Because the main thing of advertising is moving product. You gotta get people to buy stuff, Mm -hmm. service, product, buy the idea you're selling, the, you know, the the program you're trying to get across, you got to get people to buy it because mm-hmm. your creativity is fantastic, but your Clio award does not sell mm-hmm. products. We got to make sure we're making sure we're looking at that product. That's why advertising students always have to take probably at least one marketing class yep. because you want to know like, Hey, you know what, if I'm, at, if I'm selling something, you know, it, maybe it's not in every ad, but like, what's the product? Who's it for? Where can I buy it? When yep. is it, if it's an event, you know, what is it? Because a confused customer doesn't buy you know it may look cool in the ad and it might look cool on your computer but if someone's scrolling by like what's that they're not going to click some random link anymore it doesn't work that way so Mm -hmm. you got to make sure you're thinking about hey am i is there a value proposition we're getting across here well and it could be it's a cool design Mm -hmm. yet use your creativity to highlight that design highlight that value that it creates that's going to be really impactful and then people buy the product And you know what? Clio awards are great, but they're not going to pay the bills if you're not selling products as people will go back to the people that are helping them sell products.
0: Right, right. I love that. I love all that. Let's break that down a little bit. First off, I want to talk about uh, innately, I think a lot of people interested in advertising forget that they are creative, yes. But for me and my story and my boss's story who I work with, we started off with advertising because we love to sell. Yeah. We love to sell something. We like the idea of selling product or moving something. And the creativity was a means of doing that. But don't forget the root of that is to sell. And you've mentioned Clio Award a couple of times. That's why we really value or myself, I really value on this podcast is the Effie Awards. Yeah. Which is the for effectiveness and sales and creativity. I think it's best of both worlds.
1: Bingo. That will get people to hire you.
0: Yeah. And 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 you know the, this is an interesting conversation because there are super nimble creative small shops but they move they move around quite a bit you know there are larger shops that sell more and it's a it's a battle between selling and servicing versus creativity so yeah I, and the and one example
1: creativity. I, mean, I don't want people to be not be creative because that's the thing that gets people to notice the ad of course. Well, let's not forget that we still need to sell something.
0: Well, we're, my industry, we live in such a bubble where it's like the creativity is all that matters, but then, you know, it's the, the battle of the moldy Whopper from Burger King. I don't know if, if you recall, <laughs> versus the, when McDonald's did the Travis Scott burger.
1: Yeah.
0: Travis Scott, dumb, you know, we don't like celebrity endorsements. We try to stay away from that. We call that a cliche. That's a cop-out. However... It sold so many burgers compared oh, to do.
1: the Whopper. My, my you... son, we, we, got, we were in, I think, South Dakota, and we got the Travis Scott burger. Exactly. And Did like... you buy the Moldy Whopper? Did you go to Burger King? Be like, oh, that Moldy Whopper looks delicious.
0: But it was, it was one of the most awarded creative commercials ex- yeah. executions. So that's yeah, but, the battle. Yeah.
1: But you know what? Travis Scott's got people to buy some stuff. That's why you see. And now you look, you know, you go to Popeye's. They have, there's, what's, what's her name? There's a new sauce they have Mm. that, that goes on their, their chicken sandwich. It's like, look, Mm -hmm. Hey, a celebrity thing. Yeah. It it can work. Yeah. Just like anything, you do it too many times. It's not effective. Of course.
0: Of course. Yeah. But I love that. I love that dose of reality is we're here to sell and Mm -hmm. it needs to be effective. Yeah,
1: so. and, and, and the thing is, it's tough sometimes because when you are very creative, you feel like, but I'm sacrificing my creativity. I'm sacrificing my soul. But in the end of the day, like your client is your boss. You may think, well, I'm an independent, I'm a freelancer. No, you're not. You are your client. Your client is your boss. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I still have to answer my clients, the people yep. that watch our videos and buy our books and all our stuff. Like I still have to deliver for them mm-hmm. as much as I feel like oh, I'm on my own. No, I'm when I finish this, I'm going to be back editing videos and yep. putting together a new book so I can, you know, get it out there for those clients because you know what? No one else is going to get me to do it. Like I got yeah. to get it
0: done. Oh, I respect that. I, I really respect that hustle. And I remember the branding of your, of your, of Walter's world. And I was like, I want to build something very similar to that in my own passion. So mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely am inspired by you. What are my,
1: we my grade to get anymore. So, so, so
0: yeah. Uh, what, what are you most of your, like, I want to know, like, what are the most of your students, like, what do they go into when, um, it, like, what are the marketing, like, what are the marketing entry-level jobs that you've noticed people are reaching out and say, Hey, Mark, I got this.
1: So a lot of, um, brand managers or like assistant brand managers. Uh, a lot of sales, digital marketing, social media, social media really picked up lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, data analytics, man. Gino, since you've left, I mean, data analytics is everywhere. Every bit like marketing, we've got two analytics courses yeah. uh, for business. Now they got rid of two of the econ classes and put in data analytics courses, right. um, there's data analytics certificates, um, ISI within,
0: within geese or within geese, yeah, I know, I know the college of media has got the brand hub and they're trying to, they're, they're talking like they have the CS computer science plus advertising yeah. uh, route now. On the other yep. side,
1: and that—that that is one hundred percent. I know that is all from that, because you'll have the advertising plus DS probably eventually, which is the data or the yeah, yeah. Data. yeah. So CS, so yeah, right. the one you're saying, so yes yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So that so that you're seeing a lot more data. What what's what, what's an entry level role in data analytics?
1: You'd be a data analyst, or you, yeah, I mean basically it's the old market researcher. Like they just mm-hmm. changed the name. Like, oh, it's data analytics. I'm like, actually, it's just marketing research. You just have We just have so much more data now because all those times people click on their phones. Yes, I accept your terms of agreement and yeah, you get all they that go. information on people. So,
0: you know, the, a real good job that's super safe is getting into computer science or computer engineering. That's all
1: always- The ISIT at U of I. What does that, does that stand for? Double the number of students in their degree program. And it's not just bad. You're getting a lot of accounting people that will double major in ISIT. What does that stand for? Information, sir, information systems, information technology. Okay. It's the business computer science stuff. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's incredible. I it was like
0: mm-hmm.
1: within the last two years, I mean, we're talking from like 200 to 500 majors. Wow. Like, just like, whoa, that's huge.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure geese is growing as well, you know, just all around. In every other area but that makes sense that 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 more tech focused all right what advice do you have for somebody that is looking to break into academia what advice do you have for someone that's trying to break into travel okay I don't so travel so in
1: academia one thing i would recommend is every paper you write in your masters and any paper you write like in your senior year or your junior year any of those project papers Try to get it published. Even if it's in a cruddy journal, like a C-level journal, D-level journal, you at least can prove that I've published something. I have something out there so you can start building your publication list. So Mm. if you're going to be going for that job, like, look, I've been publishing for 10 years. I've got something out there. No, they're not big name stuff, but they're not expecting you to go to A journals when you're a a master's student. But at least you've shown that I can publish things. That's the biggest thing I I messed up. It's like I had some papers I wrote during my master's that I should have got those published because they were like, I did a bunch of stuff on trust and brand trust and mm-hmm. how brands can transfer their trust to other people and stuff. And I'm like, now I'm like beating myself. Oh, if I would have just got that published. That would have been awesome. Um, so anything you have, good, try to get it published.
0: How do you get it? Is that a long story to get something published, or is there a, pro- well, you, a well, process?
1: Well, if you want to get it in like the top journals, it can take years to do. Sure. If you go for like a lower-level journal. You know, they'll they'll have the, these journals out there, like, hey, we're looking for papers. And so you could send it off, and they'll they'll say yes or no. If they say okay. yes, they say make these changes. Or you can do some stuff. Okay. Um, but at least you're getting something out there. Yeah. Um, and then once you're doing your PhD, your your coordinator will be trying to get you to like let's focus on your PhD, what you're going to write on. Let's get this so we can figure out a few papers you can get out of your research, not just your dissertation, but you can break your dissertation down. Like I had three papers for my dissertation. Two of them got published. One of them never did, and and but at least I got two papers out of wow. it. You know, right, so, three's good. Yeah. So you have something um, that would be one thing. Also, if you're going to be doing your Ph.D., get a good um, advisor. Um, if you have a good advisor, they can help you publish. They can ha- publish with you. They'll keep you on the right track. Hmm. If you don't have a good public, like good advisor, it can make it a lot tougher. Like my advisor was a friend of mine. He was a good guy, but he was not a good advisor. Hmm. You know, so like we he didn't help me get anything published. He didn't work with me on anything. It was more like go for it. But he also got sick when I was there. So it was, there's all. Crazy. But how do
0: you know if he's a good advisor? You don't you have to enroll and like work with them for a while. Like, yeah.
1: And that's why, like, those like, ask, ask other people that are in the program. Right. Like, what's it like working for them? Like, I, I mean, I only found out after I was working for a few years. I'm like, why is everyone else getting a lot of help? And mm-hmm. I'm not. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done. I'm like, well, thanks. Now. Okay,
0: so ask before, you know, and, and also research. you
1: can see, you want to look at the places where you're going to be going, look and see where they're publishing and who, how are they publishing? Are there other PhD students they're publishing with yep. that they're helping them go? You know, that, that could be something there. So yeah. that, that's one thing. Um, another thing, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything bad because my advisor, he was a super great guy. He yeah. just got, he got sick that's in the middle of it. So he couldn't really do anything. So, okay. but it was just tough. Cause I'm like seeing everybody else getting stuff. And yeah. So when you, you when you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it. Yeah. And that's why your advisor should be able to help you. Um, awesome. I think if you want to get into travel, like if you want to do blogging or vlogging, just do it. Like, don't like a lot of people like, well, I want to film some stuff and get it just right. You're not going to get it right. Your first hundred videos are going to suck. It's okay. Just start making content, find your voice Don't try to be Rick Steves, too. Don't try to be Vagabrothers, too. Like, be you. Because people, it's easy to be yourself, and that's where it's going to work. Because people, they're going to buy you or they're not going to buy you. But I will say is, if you're going to do anything YouTube-wise, don't think you're going to make money overnight. Mm -hmm. It took me four years to make $1 on YouTube. You no, know, and now now we do well we i mean spot we don't do any sponsorships or anything like that it's just straight ad revenue so we missed out a lot there but i'm like look i, I can say i'm not i haven't sold out I, I can be of honest advice you don't have to worry like if I, we will work with sponsors but it's like look i'm gonna say the good and bad i'm not gonna say they're the greatest ever if they're mm-hmm. not you know but i mean that's why you'll see some people they'll have like random ads and they'll do shout outs for brands because they get paid for it and yeah. that's i understand that's how they pay their bills um but I will say, it's like, don't, don't think that travel is going to be the end-all be-all because I've seen, because I've been doing travel YouTube since '09, And I say like every three years, every three to four years, there's like a wave of new travel YouTubers that go through and then they eventually they die off. And, you know, mm-hmm. not die, but like they literally like just stop making content because it's a lot of work and there's a lot of travel and the editing. You're like, is it really worth it? And so people end up quitting. They have families or... They go into another, a different niche or they're like, look, I want to do something else, you know, or I got a real job now. You know, it's, it's one thing when you're 20, 21 and you're traveling the world. You know, I always love when they're like, we sold everything to travel the world. I'm like, you sold your PlayStation, like you you didn't have anything house or something. Like it's a little different than when you're like, if you're 44 and you got two kids and you sold everything, that's a bigger thing than, you know, I had, you know, I, I I cleaned up my room, my parents' house, you know? (laughs) But yeah. the thing is, they're still they're still making a sacrifice, and that's cool. Yeah. But I don't don't think that that's going to be a long term thing. You have got to have some kind of plan. You got to have a way to make money, because a lot of these digital nomads they're going they have a real job, and then they do the travel stuff on the side. Yeah. So look at me. I mean, I, I'm a relatively successful YouTuber in travel, but my main job is still teaching at a university. Yep. You know, and that's what's. I remember we we had a few talks for some TV shows a few years ago, and we got to the like negotiating phase. Oh, of nice. It's going to be worth. But then the end, I'm like, how am I supposed to survive on that? And everyone told us, like, look, you like you have to keep your day job, even if you're getting one of those huge hit shows. You got to have a real job for like three or four years before you really start making money on it, because it's not going to be enough. Wow. And, and when I started seeing like the contract stuff, I'm like, I totally understand now. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that would not, that would not, that I, I would make more money working at a minimum wage job.
0: What, um what was the TV show to be on?
1: Well, it was a TV show that we would have been the main things on the TV show. So for that, it would have been, we would have been the the main thing. And then if we would have had other stuff to sell, that would help build up the brand, but right, right. it didn't end up not working out. So, cause right. then the, yeah. You know, then the the networks that they were looking at and stuff like they they went away from travel towards other topics gotcha so, okay and that's the thing a it, it, good thing we didn't do it because then we would have got all in and then it wouldn't have, it would have got canceled anyway
0: right so it worked out
1: yeah
0: interesting gotcha well Any other advice that you have? I think this has been great. Um, I have no more questions.
1: I would say whether if you want to do the YouTube route and the trials, just make the videos, make the content, just do it, do it, do it. You'll get better after every single time you learn. Same thing with teaching. And to be like, the more you teach, the better you get at it. Mm. And and don't be afraid to keep learning. Like I go to conferences about how to be a better professor all the time. Mm. I go to conferences about how to be a better YouTuber all the time. I've been doing it for, you know, 12 years on YouTube, 20 years of teaching, I still go cuz you got to keep learning cuz if you don't you get passed by that's right. why you know, I'm like, I, I, I want to make sure I can keep making good videos for my students. And what are some of the new stuff that's out there? You know, how be, how can I use Discord to talk with my students? Because Twitter is nothing for college students. Instagram is not for college students. They're on something else, you know? Yeah. And so you got to find better ways to to work.
0: You know? Yeah. I mean, that's always something I struggle with. It's like, I want to get in a rhythm and I, I'm complacent. And then I've refused to learn because it's a lot of work. And I've already, it's I, I get in that route. I get in that habit sometimes. I got I to mm-hmm. kick it out.
1: And it's, t- and it's tough to get out of that rut. And, yeah. and I think that's one thing for a lot of the, like, if you're just getting into the industry, you're coming in with the, the late, usually a lot of the latest knowledge because you're, you're new and you've come out of college. So they got the new topics coming. And then after a couple of years, you I mean, the first, you're still learning, but then you're like, okay, I'm settled. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta fight yourself. Like, no, I gotta do something. I gotta keep working at this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, after a few years out of college, we all get a little bit chubbier around mm-hmm. the cheeks, huh? It's like yeah, it's, you got to force yourself to go to the gym. Yeah. You got to force yourself to pick up, get that advertising age, and just read through that. You know, get your Economist magazine, keep yep. up to date on those things, and it, it it's a time sucker, but it's something that pays off for your career.
0: Yeah, I love it. No, that's fantastic advice. It's it's been great. Well, Mark, that's all I got for you. Uh, I will link to all of your because you're Walter's World on all on all platforms, correct? Yes, sir. And I will link to your, is it okay if they reach out to you on LinkedIn or do you prefer going through?
1: No, they get, Whatever social media platform works best for you. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, we're, we're at all of them. Mm-hmm. So Mark Walters or Walters World. It's yep. with an O by the way. So do an
0: And I will put that all on our Instagram as well, which is at breaking and entering pod. And that's all I got. This has been great, Mark. Thank you again and have a fantastic night.
1: Thanks, Gino. I appreciate the invitation. Have a great one.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design, the kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard... It would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. It's all one word Breaking and Entering Pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn, and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz. They're a PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest.